Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Fan First podcast. Uh, we've done a couple of episodes and uh, I'm now looking at third episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm getting into a territory which is slightly unfamiliar to me, but this is exactly where I want the podcast to be. A platform for the fans, a platform for people like me who just love to talk, who just love to talk sport, to come on this platform and speak about things. And today I'm joined by a very, very good friend first. Uh, somebody who I've known for, I think, my guess is we started back in India a long time, but then we worked together in Dubai. Uh, somebody who I've known very, very well. So I've been joined by Gautam Vishwanathan, uh, who's a journalist himself. He's worked with Times of Oman. Uh, he's now moved to Canada. He's a lifelong Arsenal fan because uh, I remember my w- one of my first interaction with Gautam was around football and that's how we kicked, o- kicked off and uh, it came across very strongly that he supported the Arsenal uh, as he would like to call it. I've actually had the pleasure of working with Gautam in Dubai as well. Uh, we briefly... I wouldn't say briefly, that's not the right thing, actually. We worked together for about three years or so, if I'm not mistaken. Firstly, Gautam, very, very, very warm welcome to the Fan uh, First sir, Thank you for having me uh, on the show. It's an absolute honor to be here. Um, great that you brought out this initiative for fans to have a voice. Uh, I think the voice of fans and knowing the sentiments of fans around the world is is is, uh, is, is very important in today's day and age. You know, social media platforms and, and podcasts like this one give fans the chance to, to, to uh, you know, share their thoughts with the world. And we see, you know, throughout the world that whether you're a fan supporting from Africa or a fan from Asia, Australia, New Zealand, you know, today football is truly a global sport. Even even if you do call it soccer in, in, in some parts of the world, right? Uh, you have fans waking up at four o'clock in the morning to watch to watch their matches. You have, you have fans staying up till late at night. Often if you're a younger fan, you've got parents knocking on your door saying, turn the volume down. Or, you know, go to sleep. And you're like, no, my favorite team is playing. I don't want to miss this now. And, you know, there's a reason fans around the world support clubs as they do. You, of course, support Manchester United. I support Arsenal. Uh, But I have to start my my introduction here with with something that the great Dennis Bergkamp said. Arsenal legend, of course. You know, it was he who said, when you support the club, it's because you found yourself there. And I think sort of this is a sentiment with which you'll agree uh, with me, like, tremendously. There are certain qualities at Manchester United that you really appreciate. Certain qualities at Arsenal that I really like, and you know that's why the loyalty with the with the club stays through all its ups and downs. Just like the Liverpool legend Bill, Bill Shankly said, you know, if you can't support your your if you can't support us when when we are winning or when we are losing, they don't support us when we are winning. And I think it boils down to that. And that's where really the topic is because let's face the facts, right? Arsenal haven't had the best no, of the runs no, for no. a very long time. Manchester United have been in the same boat. Uh, United have struggled for the best part of last 10 years since Sir Alex left. Uh, Arsenal have had their troubles uh, towards the end of Wenger's uh, mm-hmm. time at the club. And since then, I think both our yeah. clubs have realized how difficult it has. And the legacy that has been built by these two great football managers is so difficult for the clubs to... I don't know what's the right way to say. I mean, sometimes I felt that at Man United, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson has spoiled us. Because uh, <laughs> every manager that's walked through the door, fairly or unfairly, has been compared to his time at the club and how much he's won. Uh, but sometimes it hasn't been fair in the sense that they've had to start afresh mm-hmm. somewhere. And 
uh, it's not an easy yeah. place to start. And I think Arsenal is very similar to United in that stage that there's been a manager who's been at the club for 20 plus years, revolutionized football in Wenger. And that's where I really want to start off as an Arsenal fan. How difficult have these last 20 odd years been? Because if my stats are correct, and I've got a few numbers yeah. in front of me here, the last league title was in yeah. 2003. There was a bit of a trophy drought for a, for a few years, but over the last... I mean, the last years of Wenger, you had mm-hmm. a couple of FA Cups. Uh, Arteta's won some cup yeah. football as well. But we all know, and as fans of the English Premier League teams, I mean, like you said, you're Arsenal, I'm yeah. Manchester United fan. The Premier League has always been what clubs yeah. really want to win. Sum it up as from a fan point of view, right? You've seen the likes of Man City rise to fame, Chelsea rise to fame, United doing, I mean, winning league titles in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, Liverpool's uh, sort of comeback uh, over the last few years. How has it been as an Arsenal fan to see all of that and not be in a title race? Well, since I'm going to uh, essentially communicate to you what has been 20 years of hurt, and I can still feel the hurt in my heart as soon as you say it. You you did mention correctly that Arsenal won the title in 03 04. Uh, that to uh, Arsenal fans and I think to football fans around the world will be one of the most special title races of all time because not only did we win silverware, we won a gold trophy at the end of it. We are the only Premier League side to win the gold trophy, and that's because mm. that was the unbeaten run, right? So, even. Gotham, I was I was sure that the Invincibles was coming from an Arsenal fan <laughs> very soon, but it's come within yeah. the first five minutes. Yeah, so there's uh, a hashtag in, in, in social nothing. media. Even Arsenal fans use it today. Like you know, I guess it's not the strongest hashtag to use because so many other clubs have won uh, dozens of trophies since then. But the hashtag is is yours gold, and that in a way I I, I wanted to start with this because that in a way. Uh, sums up the Arsenal supporters' psyche for for a long time, maybe uh, until maybe this season, because uh, for the longest time uh, we kind of had to hold on to that past, because that was all we had to show. Um, we knew full well that when we go out in public and say, you know, as an Arsenal supporter, uh, and you've been one of the persons who's given me a few gentle bobs in this fact, uh, you know, it, to be honest, it hurts. It it, it genuinely hurts, and. It hurts because you know what the club is capable of doing. You know what they have done. You know that they are one of the founders of the Premier League. One of the, I think, the only club in the Premier League to have never suffered relegation throughout its its entire history, even when it was the first division and all of that. And and you know, you see, it's a question of how far the mighty have fallen. And uh, you know, you and every year you keep saying, okay, this year will be better. Next year will be better. The year after that, okay, yeah, definitely we're going to do it. And, and the season sometimes starts strong. And then after like maybe midway through the season or even towards the end of the season, the team starts to tail off. Or what happens is the start is very, very bad. The start is very bad and you have periods here and there. And we're lucky that we made it to fourth place and qualified for next year's you know Champions League. And you're like, oh my God, thank God. And it's another season in the Champions League. But to be honest, the last 20 years have been extremely difficult to navigate as an Arsenal fan. I wouldn't blame many of the Arsenal supporters who have stopped supporting the club during a time like this because you do get fans of that nature. The loyalists have stuck with the thing for so long and that's why I think now Arsenal are are really enjoying where they are at the moment. Um, And I think the lesson that other clubs can learn from this is that what happened to Arsenal can happen to any other club. 
like you know it's 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 it can, it can happen in, in a snap of a finger if you'll allow me sora i'd like to give you some some insights behind the scenes into why arsenal went down this path if you'll allow me that time me absolutely that was going to be my next question because a club of arsenal stature who's uh, been so successful yeah. in the past and not just in the late 90s and the early 2000s but arsene wenger came to the club in 97 and revolutionized premier league football and then to enjoy that success but then go on a phase mm-hmm. as a fan and we've all entitled to our opinion of what contributed to that and that's really the purpose yeah. behind the podcast is for fans to come and tell us what they feel where do you see uh where has what has been the cause behind the lack mm-hmm. of success uh, or that uh this longer phase where the club hasn't really challenged yeah, at so, the top yeah so you know uh, there's something in english called a perfect storm uh where everything that can go wrong will go wrong at one time and you know the the reason you're supposed to prepare for these storms when you have success is because you never know when these storms will come on the horizon for example right now manchester city are facing you know uh, inquiries into their their financial uh, their financial dealings uh, we don't know how that's going to right. go we, we genuinely don't know um, so if 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 for example uh, the club are found guilty then they have to be mentally prepared and more importantly financially prepared for what's going to come their way we've seen that happen with juventus not once but twice juventus were relegated to the to serie b at the end after just just after their captain yeah. fabio canavaro won the 2006 fifa world cup that team had gianluigi buffon so many other amazing players relegated to serie b lost so many amazing players like lilian thoram and zlatan ibrahimovic this season again they you know they they've, they've been found guilty of financial mis, uh, mis- misleadings you know they are currently 15 points over dedicated uh, sorry deducted 15 points and now it's it's a title race between teams like napoli and and ac milan so you know it's it's in, it can change in, in 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 an instant so going back to arsenal for a second you must realize that towards the end of the the 2003 2004 season uh the club were planning to move to a bigger stadium highbury had uh, had like a capacity of maybe 30 to 40000 people the exact number uh, eludes me right now the emirates stadium has a capacity of more than 60000 which makes them one of the biggest stadiums in the land after old trafford now this required huge amount of financial commitment from the club it also required the banks to have long term commitments towards arsen wenger he could have left for any other club you know when he wanted to but the bank said only if wenger is at the helm will we even consider giving this money which is not something a lot of people know and wenger may not have won a lot of trophies during the latter half of his period but this is something for which he really deserves credit he could have said fine i'm not staying at this project anymore i'm leaving and he had to operate on a shoestring budget so at the same so firstly the club you know suffered financially because of the move but that's part of every club's move you have to eventually spend on a new stadium um it in fact the financial situation got so bad that at the end of the unbeaten run uh the club didn't even have enough money to pay wages for its for its uh, players next week like that's how bad it got so wenger stayed on right and while the emirates stadium was being built or just after it was it it, uh, it had they moved in in 2006 arsen uh, arsenal uh in 2007 there's a man called david dean who was the director of football that's the like the modern day term he was at that time vice chairman of the club and he and arsen wenger worked well together to get things done so wenger would handle things on the pitch david dean was in charge of transfer dealings so players like remy gard who was like the first arsenal player to be signed under wenger patrick vieira uh, robert pires gilberto frederick frederick longberg jose antonio reyes you know thierry henry himself it was david dean who negotiated all of these amazing deals and we all know what what they've done for the club 
right? Uh, Dean then soon after sold his shares in the club. He had about, I think, 25% of the stake in the club. He sold that to a club called, uh, organization called Red and White Holdings, which were the parent company for Arsenal for a while and were run by a man named Alicia Usmanov. Usmanov is a, is a Russian oligarch, much like in the same field as, say, Roman Abramovich, for example, or, uh, you know, the other oligarchs of that, that era. Um, and so David Dean sold his shares. Usmanov was now in charge of about 25 to 30% of the club shares. The other 70% were owned by an American man who is today the, the, the majority owner of Arsenal. His name is Stan Kroenke. He's also the man who owns, you know, the LA Rams and then he owns Columbus Crew in the US. He's one of the world's wealthiest men today. Uh, the departure of David Dean was extremely acrimonious. I was reading this interview of his and he said that he had been given a company phone. So a few minutes after he was dismissed from his role, he gave a call to his daughter from his company phone saying, I've been dismissed. The, the ownership were so, I wouldn't say cruel, but the ownership were so inconsiderate that they cut off the, uh, the, the, uh, the connection to his phone mere minutes after he'd been sacked because he could not make that call. That's how acrimonious the transfer was. And on its own, you might think, oh, it's just a phone. What's the big deal? But it's about what it represents. This man has served Arsenal for so long, been instrumental in moving the club forward, and you just sack him with an, and give him a five-minute notice. And so it's very important to know that there was no... So essentially, now Arsenal had no, no one to handle football operations. And it's very important to know that his son, Darren Dean, was an agent who handled some of Arsenal's biggest clients. Emmanuel Adebayor, Robin Van Persie, Gael Clichy, Colo Toure... And you and, and you all, I think to some extent also, Sabir Nazari, Seth Fabregas, Alex Song. You know, so this is the stable of players he 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 managed. Now, when your father has been treated poorly, firstly, you will not have any loyalty towards the club that's employing you as well. <laughs> and secondly, as an agent, he'll wonder about the future of his his players. They'll say, "Listen, we don't want to stay at Arsenal anymore because we don't know where the club is going ahead. So we want a change." And we've all seen the well-trodden path these players have gone on. Van Persie went to Manchester United. He won the league there. It rankled Arsenal fans at the time. But in hindsight, I don't blame him. Because he has, we all have only one career as a footballer. It lasts for maybe 15 to 17 years, you know. And at the time of recording this podcast, you must remember that Mesut Ozil has just, uh, you know, ended his, his, his football, football career. He, so he said, I've had 17 years of football and that's all you have if you're lucky. As a footballer. So Van Persie went to United. He was successful there. Samir Nasri, Bakari Sanya, uh, Gail Clichy, uh, Polo Toure, uh, they all, Emmanuel Adebayor, they all went to uh, Manchester City. They were all successful there. Cesc Fabregas and Alex Song uh, may not have had the sort of success they envisioned at Barcelona, but they were part of trophy winning teams. And so within a few years, you had this entire team dismantled. And you're talking about the core of this, this, this Arsenal squad. Now, ideally, when you don't have money, and you have a savvy director of football. He can still find you decent players in the in in the in the in, in the market, and you can still rebuild your team. But that man wasn't available because there was no David Dean, and because at board level there was a deadlock between the way Kroenke wanted to run the company and the way uh, Usmanov wanted to do so. At any football club, at the end of the day, it's just a company, right? You have employees, you have staff, and everything else. So because of that, there was a deadlock. They did not know how to move forward, and neither side was willing to uh, contribute more funds than was required because tomorrow. If you are not in charge of, a, of an organization and you don't know if you will be in charge of the organization, why would you put your hard on funds? You would not do that. You would say, I'm going to save this for a rainy day. At the same time, the, the club's head of youth, his name is Liam Brady, chose to leave as well. So now you have a gap, not just in terms of first team players, but also the production line that's bringing new talent. So unlike at Manchester United, where the amazing, you know, Marcus Rashford has, has come along, 
you know, now you have got Nacho who's been developed at the club. Obviously, he's from overseas, but he's been developed at the club. Scott McTominay, you have these amazing players coming in now. And, you know, Ferguson, like Wenger, had established a very, very strong youth policy at Arsenal. There was no one in question to also run the youth academy. For a couple of years, you had a Dutchman, again, I forget his name, but when when it's a short-term fix, nothing really works, you know, towards fixing long-term problems. And it's only now that, now that the Kroenkeers have 100% of, of, of ownership of the club, that they're able to do things the right way. And what I really like is they've got players with the club's DNA back to the club. Per Mertesacker, for example, runs the Youth Academy right now. Let's not forget that uh, he may have had a few of his critics, but he's won a World Cup uh, with Germany and he's one of like the best defenders around during his peak. You have, obviously, Mikel Arteta as manager. He knows the club's DNA. He's worked under Arsene Wenger. He's worked under Pep Guardiola. He's from Barcelona's Youth Academy. So, you know, you've got that that sort of mentality in him. You've got Edu, who was, again, one of the... One of one of the key midfielders for Arsenal in years past. He's running their uh, their you know he's the director of football or technical director as it's called. You've got Jack Wilshere who's now coaching their under 18s. Uh, you know Cesc Fabregas often comes in to coach the the players as well. You know you've got uh, club ambassadors like Ian Wright, Ray Parler, all these guys. So now there are people in charge who know the club's DNA and they know how to take it forward, and that's a very very important thing. I think what you've highlighted is is uh, I mean in, in such a short time things that have gone wrong at so many different levels and it's almost hard to think and I think you started off saying it's yep. the perfect storm and it does feel like it like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and as a as a Manchester United fan just to put perspective into it that when Sir Alex Ferguson left he left the year he yep. won the league the yep. 20th title uh uh and i think one of the things that a lot of arsenal fans were uh debating towards the end of wenger's reign was they weren't really sure if wenger was the right man but a lot of fans don't really realize there was so much in the background yeah. that was going on at the club and actually now or after wenger left the years after that as club has struggled like something as simple as Arsenal not being in the Champions League yeah. for the number of years that they've not been in, it's unheard of yeah. for a club of that stature. Even United, uh, who've been in Champions Leagues here and there, but they've really not Correct. achieved yeah. anything. So when you look at Wenger's time and how he's actually held the club mm-hmm. together, when, like you rightly said, at a time it could have been so easy for Wenger to just say, you know what, <laughs> I've done what I could, I've won trophies. Uh, I have a golden trophy, the Invincibles. I've got that tag. Uh, I think the 2006 Champions League final against Barcelona came really close. I think maybe that's minutes, one game you would have thought if that victory. went that, That's how close it was. Yeah, that was one game. Uh, but I think uh, we are only finding out now how difficult that job has been since then. And Unai Emery obviously yeah. came into the club. Uh, and he's come with a big name uh, and he's gone back to Spain after Arsenal yep. and won stuff there and, you know, he's a great name. But how difficult was that Arsenal job after Wenger's departure? And uh, how much of that has contributed to any success that has come to the club being so much more special because fans have been deprived of that. You know, I agree with you 100%. And like you, I'm very glad you mentioned, uh, you know, 
uh, Sir Alex Ferguson because you know full well that to succeed in the shoes of any great manager is not easy, right? David Moyes came in uh, to to Manchester United after that. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't even given one season to prove himself, and that's because the club were so used to winning under Sir Alex Ferguson. Any manager who comes in has to be given time, and you have to accept no matter how good the manager, he first has to change the systems already existing at the club to suit his own needs. So the first thing he has to do is see whether these things actually require change, right? If you've got an amazing system, fine, stick with it, and then slowly I can implement whatever changes I feel are beneficial. But at the same time, does the manager have the character or the ability to maintain the same quality that 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 a manager like Sir Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger had? I don't think they do. That is that is the reality. So any manager coming has to be given time. We need to accept that there might be a might be a you know a, a decrease in terms of quality of performances or points on the board. I had, for example, one of my closest friends is, is an Arsenal, as a Man, Man, Man United supporter. And, you know, he used to rave and rant every time uh, David Moyes' team lost a game. He's like, if the system is already so good, why are you changing it? And I said, that's because Moyes does not have the same system that Ferguson has. You have to accept it. And fans at that time weren't willing to accept it. That, that is the reality. So I think bringing in a, play, yeah. a manager like Una Emery was definitely smart in terms of what they wanted the team to achieve. We must forget that uh, I think Arsenal were basically chasing away back into the Champions League. That seemed to be their primary objective because for the longest time, Arsenal were third or fourth in the league even when Emery was around in his first season. And he made, got them to the final of the Europa League. Let's not forget that Emery is a Europa League slash UEFA Cup winning specialist. You know, that is something he wanted. He wanted exactly. so with Sevilla. He wanted with the Villarreal. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing achievement for him. And if you win the Europa League, you're automatically guaranteed a position in next season's Champions League. That was the thinking behind bringing him in. But I think somewhere along the line, maybe uh, he wasn't given the right support or maybe his ideas didn't come across. English is not his first language, of course. He was made fun of, you know, for, for his pronunciation of the language. Uh, I don't think it's down to uh, Una Emery being a bad manager. I think it was just him being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and I think yeah. any 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 big club, should accept that once uh, a big manager goes, it will take some time for stability to come its way. We've seen it time and again at Chelsea. You know, Jose Mourinho is their most successful manager. But at Chelsea, maybe it's not so obvious because they keep changing managers so quickly. The era of managers staying for 10, 15, 20 years is, is over. And I hope that Arsenal continue to give Arteta the time uh, he, he requires to mold this team into something better. I think just on a side note, uh, the place where I'm working right now, Aston Villa was training with us during the World Cup break, the 2022 yeah. World Cup break. And Unai Emery had just taken over the job from Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard uh, was yeah. sacked, I think, towards the end of October or uh, middle of October, somewhere yeah. around that time. Unai Emery came in and... Uh, we were essentially a facility provider for yeah. Aston Villa to come and train at the place where I work and they were staying yeah. with us as well. Uh, and we were looking at doing some media, some photography, yeah. some content capture, you know, around the team. Aston Villa are a big name in the UK and for us as a facility provider here in the UAE, it is something quite nice to have a team of their stature yeah. come and train with us. But a couple of the media people within the Aston Villa team shared this with us and it's worth mentioning if you know somebody has an interest there that 
Unai Emery's English not being strong and his accent was made fun of so much that he's now actually gone back into that place where he refuses media commitments because he's almost gone yeah. against them. Uh, and it's just something that has impacted him so much. And I think that's the that's a that's a byproduct of being in a managerial job at a big club as well because you're under the limelight so much. And I'm trying to get to the point that that is where jobs at big clubs are so much more mm-hmm. difficult. Yep. Uh, and this is not stating something that's not known, but uh, going to the Arsenal, going to Chelsea, going to Man United, uh, uh, it's never easy. And especially at a club like Man United, where no managers have really had success over the last few years, we've seen it the hard way, that the limelight on the manager is is, is so much. And, Some can't handle it. That's the reality. Yeah. And I think we saw this phase where uh, let's get to the Mikhail Arteta, you know, reign now because it's now sort of you know trying to get into it, right? So this seemed to be the kind of a norm. Man United hired yeah. Schulzer, who's again going to the same logic that you said, yeah. the fabric of the club. Uh, Chelsea hired Frank Lampard, again a legend at the club. Uh, Mikhail Arteta, on similar lines, knows the club. Arsenal mm-hmm. man through and through, he's got the job. It's not worked out for all of the clubs. I mean, as a Manchester United fan, and I'm very mindful of not making this a Manchester United podcast, but this is just a perspective to it, is the Solskjaer era at Man United was good to an extent where I think we cleared some of the wrongdoings at the club that existed, but I think football-wise, we didn't really go anywhere. Like, I don't think there would have ever been a case for Solskjaer to continue purely on the merit of football that we are playing on the pitch. But he got the weight structure uh, right to an extent. He got some of the players out of the club that were really not there. Uh, The likes of Sanchez, I don't think he ever really fit at the club. Uh, There were some other players who were really never uh, really the fabric of Manchester United, as you might want to call them. But... Mikhail Arteta is a very different case. And there are a couple of questions that I have, but I want you as an Arsenal fan, really talk about what makes Arteta special and uh, where do you rate him? Where do you see him really at at, at the club? uh, You need to understand that for any club to function, again, a club is like any other organization. There needs to be clarity from the very top at board level all the way down to the manager and the players. It's it all the all of these things are like cogs in an engine. If even one of these cogs grinds differently or starts to, you know, uh, resist the, the, the overall motion of the engine, then the engine itself is going to eventually break down. For a while the these 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 failings can be covered up, but eventually you it's like any other, you know, engine. You have to service it eventually, sooner or later. When you service something, what do you do? You address faults in the system. Now uh, sometimes it can be very expensive. Sometimes it could be a quick fit. Uh, at Manchester United, for example, we've seen that sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect between what the what the what the uh, the players need in terms of additional support, in terms of new signings coming in. You know, sometimes the, they may not get the right players for the right positions. You know, square pegs, round holes, all all of that stuff. Um, so I think from the very beginning, even at Chelsea, what what happened was that. 
I don't think the board were a hundred percent behind Frank Lampard. They saw him as more of a stopgap, maybe arrangement, because at that time Chelsea were also under embargoes. They couldn't sign players for a while, so they figured no manager is going to want to join us. Let's take a chance. But at Arsenal, what seems to be the thing is let's give Mikel Arteta time. Let's all work together. Yeah, I think I just want to add one thing. Schulzer should have been a st- uh, a stopgap as well. That one night in PSG probably changed. <laughs> that happens to everybody. We saw what happened to Roberto Di Matteo with Chelsea. He came in as a he came in as a sub- he came in as a temporary manager. Uh, Chelsea beat Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena, won the Champions League, and he was given the job full time. And then he was sacked, uh, you know, unceremoniously three months later. That is the nature of football. But what I'm saying is, you need to accept that there will be ebbs and flows to to everything, right? Uh, these days, the, the 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 practice seems to be the moment things go against your team, sack the manager. Like managers are not given time to turn things around anymore, and you need that time, you know. Another Gunners legend, Patrick Vieira, was just sacked three or four days ago as the man as the manager of Crystal Palace, uh, and we saw Palace under his reign become one of the like become the best iteration that they've been for for a long for a long time, and we need to see things in the bigger perspective because Palace's last few games were against some of the toughest opposition they've faced. It was against Arsenal, it was against Newcastle, you know, teams like that, and the next four or five games they're facing are all against opposition that's below them in the table. And that would have been the chance to gain points. A club like Crystal Palace are never going to be able to, you know, compete with the players at the top for a long period of time. That's that's the reality. Uh, I'm so just going back to what you said about about uh, Arteta. He's been given the time and the resources to do the job. If you could just reiterate the question once again, so I could answer it with with more, more clarity. So I think my question was. What makes Arteta special? I think you've you've mentioned the time yeah. that he's got at the club, but I think Arsenal have, and I think you know you mentioned about everything from top to the bottom, yeah. the clarity from the board, and you know things like that. But as yeah. Arsenal fans, what is it that makes Arteta so special? And I know he's yeah. having a great year, but it's not been like that throughout. He's gone through some absolute yeah. tough spells. There have been very loud and clear calls uh, yeah. for him to be sacked uh, uh, last season, the year prior to that. But uh, my question really was: Are Arsenal reaping the benefits of sticking with him, somebody who's who should have got the chance? Or uh, as a fan, have you always seen this happening over the last two, three years, and you always knew that this was going to happen? So at the some thing stage? is, Arteta came in. Roughly, roughly around the Christmas break, just before the COVID-19 pandemic hit and, you know, uh, disrupted football. And I remember uh, it was a game, one of the first games was against uh, Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and Arsenal took the lead through Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But Chelsea, unfortunately, won that game. Uh, they won it with two very late goals from Tommy Abraham and Jorginho. Both of them were defensive mistakes. But for, for the 85 minutes that they defended... And Arsenal defended that lead. You could see that there was a change in this team. They were determined. They were resilient. They were dogged, and that was how early Mikel Arteta began uh, inspiring the team. There was a long period during which he didn't win a lot of games, but he was drawing a lot of games. Again, to give you another example of a game against Chelsea, this was the Stamford Bridge. Arsenal were down to ten men and were losing two-one. In the last minute of stoppage time, Hector Bellerin cuts in from the right flank and fires a shot into the top corner. That game ended two-two. Right, ten man Arsenal went to Stamford Bridge and drew two two against Chelsea. How often have we seen that in the history of Arsenal? That sort of resilience. So that was the first thing Arteta needed to bring in. He wanted resilience. 
and he wanted players who could adapt to his policies. He he has no room for big egos. He has no room for time wasters. Again, one of his first games was against Brighton. Uh, it was I think that was Matteo Guendouzi's last game for Arsenal. Talented. I remember that game. Player. I remember that game. Uh, Neil Mopé scored the winner towards the end of the game. Uh, at the time, it looked like the Arsenal players would, would be satisfied with the 1-1 draw. Neil Mopé scored the winner and then he began irritating the Arsenal players and trying to rub it into their faces. Matthew Guendouzi lost it and he began strangling Neil Mopé. Miguel Arteta had to physically come and take him off the pitch. Right? He has no time for players who will, who, whose egos or, or fragility will upset the team. And a lot of the players who didn't buy into his system were told, listen, if you want to buy into our system, fine. If you don't want, leave. And that's why Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was told to leave. He's one of the biggest names at Arsenal, has been. Uh, he was given the number 14 that previously belonged to uh, Thierry Henry. And he was told, okay, fine, we'll, we'll buy you out of your contract. Go to Barcelona. We have no interest in keeping you here. You know, uh, because Arteta wants dis- discipline from his players. That's the most important thing. Uh, Arte- uh, you know, Aubameyang used to go on personal trips to to, uh, to other parts of the world and he would not return back on time. And, you know, these are small things. But when you see your captain and your senior player acting this way, then the junior players think it's acceptable. So somebody like, say, Gabriel Martinelli would say, I, why am I being fined for coming in late? Aubameyang does it all the time. You know, so he has he has no room yeah. for, for players who, who don't have a commitment towards the club as a whole. And another thing I've seen this, and I was reading this recently, is that whenever Arsenal go away from home, they always bring like Arsenal stickers. And, you know, there's a very famous Highbury clock that's there. You know, it, it, it signifies, it, it was a clock that shows the time at Highbury. It's been brought to the Emirates. A replica of it is in the Arsenal dressing room. So whenever Arsenal go away from home, they, they paste Arsenal stickers over the away dressing room. They put the clock, you know, there. So it feels a little bit more like home. So that you get the same mentality too of getting at home. These are all very, very small changes. But they have a huge impact over a period of time, right? Uh, and and so that those are the main things he's done. He's cleared out the cleared out the deadwood, cleared out the egos in the team. He's brought in young players who will adapt to his system, players who consider themselves as something that's part of a greater whole. You know, he's he's and what he's done is he's shown appreciation to the players who 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 really you know. Uh, done well for the team. Even when the team lost recently to Manchester City, they lost 3-1. He said, no, I love this team more and more every day. That's what you want from a manager. You want a manager who picks you up when you're down. At the same time, he's not afraid to give it, scream to these, scream at these players when they need it. You know, Aaron Ramsdale was saying, um, Mikel Arteta, we are actually scared of crossing him because we don't know uh, how, he's, how he's going to react once, you know, if, if we lose a game. So there's all of these, all of these little things that have come together. But what's more important is that Arteta has the right mentality. That's the most important thing for any coach. You can bring in all these little bits and bobs here and there. Of course. You need to have the right mentality and all these things are working together. And and, and that's the most important. Of course. And I think as fans, as fans, we do look at those things, right? I mean, uh, there's different level of understanding when it comes to the technical side of the sport. You might like something. I might like something else. I would like to think that we always debate about what's right and wrong because Hey, at the end yeah. of the day, we are fans. We believe yeah. we know it the best. But what you've touched upon is so right. And I think if if you were to draw uh, similarities in in the in sort of everyday yeah. life, it's yeah. culture, really, right? When you work at a place, if there's no culture there, if there's exactly. no structure there, you might have skilled teammates, skilled members yeah. in a team here and there, but without really. Uh, having the core of it, having the culture, there's rules that apply exactly. to everybody, to your top performer, to somebody who's come through the door 
on day one uh it's the same thing f- yeah. for everyone and i think arsenal might not have had too much of a problem with it because uh, uh, you know i mean it's been a short relatively shorter time since wenger's gone but we've seen it at clubs like united a club of united stature to not even yeah. compete for a league a single year in 10 years i think boils down purely to the fact that standards exactly. have been dropped and what arteta is doing at arsenal and if i bring into conversation what ten hag ten hag still got a long way to go but what we are seeing from ten hag in his first season at manchester united or what we've seen klopp yeah. bring to liverpool or what pep is doing is setting the standards like let's just look at this right cancelo mm-hmm. at man city a player who's been such a big player. part yes. of their course of what man city have been the last couple of years uh i wouldn't say revolutionize the full back because i think you would have to bring in trent and uh andy, uh, andy robertson yeah. into the conversation as well but cancelo has been so important to exactly. what they've been doing halfway through the season there's definitely something that's happened where there's he's not considered to be culturally i think or probably something ha- has has happened there yeah, and he's been story. and he's gone Ferguson was great yeah, at doing this. And we know so many stories. United. Yeah, Wenger's done that. Like he's I mean uh there used to be somebody who I used to work with uh, not too long ago. He's the MD of the company and this yeah. is completely different, but I think this is similar to what it is. He used to say hiring right people is important, but firing the wrong people is just as you know important. i'm glad you mentioned that because you know sports is such a brilliant metaphor for life as a whole you know the same the same thing that you just mentioned yeah. right now as uh, as something you do in the in the real world is also something that's that's been done in sport and i should be honest exactly. this sport doesn't exactly. come from me i just finished watching the second uh, episode of ted lasso it was uh, ted trent crim formerly of the independent who said sports is a, is a brilliant metaphor for life so it comes from there Yeah I mean you look at that right the handling of Aubameyang last year yeah. was fantastic I mean he set the standard Ozil the as well I mean I forgot to mention Ozil previously Ozil was the superstar at Arsenal Absolutely. and he was even included in the first Absolutely. Premier League squad and Nikola Arteta told him listen I need Absolutely. you to play a certain way and it was something that was uh, that was emphasized yeah. upon again and again because the press would keep asking him yeah. have you tried to patch things up with Nestor and he said I have talked to him again and again and again he doesn't seem to be interested we have not found a common ground So it was clear. I mean, yeah. the previous management. What did they do to Messi Tozil? They said, "Here is the." They waited for his contract to run run to the last six months of his of his time at Arsenal. Then they gave him a massive bumper contract, three hundred thousand, you know, pounds a week, which was unheard of at a club like Arsenal. I know Man United have been yeah. guilty of doing this time and again, but at Arsenal, yeah. we've never and, seen and, something like that. And even like he was pottering, not like he was playing the best football of his life. He wasn't playing the way he did with the Galacticos of Real Madrid, right? So. he's been he's been uh, the the poster boy for arsenal but he's not playing well and suddenly you give him a bumper contract one of the reasons they did that is because they didn't want to lose him the same way they were about to lose alex alex sanchez because at the same time hendrik mkhitaryan came to the club with that swap deal with 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 uh, with sanchez yeah, and yeah. arteta was clear yeah. i don't care if you're the top player of this club i don't care if you've got this international pedigree or all of these millions of followers on social media you perform for the club that that's his that mentality that's it exactly I think what you've touched upon is so important and as fans right uh we obviously want our team to win and uh winning is 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 probably not everything but the most important thing to us as fans I mean in our household uh 
the seven nil nil at Anfield yeah. three weeks back. My wife asked me a couple of times the next two days, "What's oh, wrong? What's fine. wrong? What's wrong? What's happening?" And that's my, that's how much it means. But what it really means is it's 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 having the right set yeah. of people at the club, people who you can. Uh, relate to with values, and I think what Arteta is doing now at Arsenal, based on what you are saying to me as a fan, is there are values, there are uh, clear incidences, there are clear, uh, you know, sort of moments within the last few years that you can recognize. Like that's my manager, that's who I want at my club, and that's such a big important. That that's such uh, such a huge thing for us as fans, but. One thing that I wanted to wanted to touch upon while we are talking about Mikhail yeah. Arteta is, you spoke about the time that he's got, right? But and let's fe- let's face the truth. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but did anyone see Arsenal competing for the league? Or sorry, mm-hmm. let me recollect that Arsenal being the favourites now to win the league. Did anybody see this happening uh, in July, August well, last given year? Given that Arteta has been in the club for about a couple of years now, we didn't certainly expect this. Uh, I should be honest. We thought, okay, last season Arsenal uh, tried to secure a European spot. Uh, in hindsight, it's good that they didn't because they could put all their efforts into into competing um, you know, for the league, uh, which is which is which is great. Uh, I think uh, that's that's something that has to be addressed. Uh, so if if we played, you know, like Sunday night and then Thursday night again, it would have been quite taxing for what is essentially a rather small squad. I mean, we can touch on transfers later on, but not in my wildest dreams that I think would be talking about. We'd be in or around the Champions League spots, which on its own is very difficult, especially given that what was traditionally the top four is now changed to become the top seven or even top eight because you've got teams like Spurs competing for it. Mm-hmm. Man City, obviously, with their wealth are, are, are in always in for a shout. Uh, Newcastle United are doing really well this season. You've got some outside contenders in the form of Brentford who done amazingly well. Brighton has done amazingly well this season. So there are no easy teams. And teams that are good yes. to watch as well. I mean, let's face it as fans, Brentford and Brighton are... Are I mean I love yeah. watching their games because there's such oh, good yes. football oh, yes. on oh, offer. Yes. Uh, so you know you there are no easy games in the Premier League. So for anyone to say oh Arteta's time a rise to the top has been a fluke, I'm I'm sorry it's not because the team has had to go and perform week in week out. And one of the things Arteta yeah. has done majorly credit to him is he keeps repeating this in every press conference. He's asked, are you favourites for the title? Are you favourites for the title? And every time his answer is, let's not get bogged into that. Let's take it game by game. And that's exactly what Arsenal have done this season. They've taken it game by game. Hey, absolutely. But as a fan, and I think you've touched yeah. upon this briefly in sort of different conversations over the last 5-10 minutes. But what has <laughs> happened? How has this happened? It's something I'm I mean, trying to explain uh, I fully agree that this is not a freak season for Arsenal. But do you reckon this is uh, all of the effort, all of the change structurally at the top of the club, managerial changes that have happened or Arteta given the time to uh, put his stamp on everything, the the players that have come in. If there was one thing though, as an Arsenal fan that you would want to pick, from everything that has happened that you think has brought yeah. Arsenal back from not being in the Champions League yeah. for the last few years to missing out on Champions League football even as early as last season, end of yeah. last season, right? Uh, to 
being in the driver's seat and i know you don't want me to repeat this because i know you don't want me to jinx it but let's face it if liverpool or man city were in the place that arsenal mm-hmm. are in right now we would be saying ah it's done but everyone's a little more cautious yeah. because it's arsenal because they've not been in that yeah. place for a while right so let's face it that way but if this is one thing that has you reckon has been the the biggest factor the most driving factor to arsenal being where they are this season and it's not only about the points but they've played yeah, some exactly. fantastic football they've won games which they should have won which is i think a very solid trait of a team that wins uh, premier leagues or you know just uh, league titles which exactly. takes a lot more effort you can have a little bit more of a luck when you win a cup tournament but league can never be a fluke thing i mean you really have to play exactly. well throughout uh, what is it what is it what's that one thing if 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 you were to pick one be more yeah. than happy to pick more than one but i just want to hear to you to be honest it. it's something that's very hard to quantify like i know you can quantify in terms of points but if i were to say one thing is the attitude of the players that's changed completely right the attitude and the collectiveness that team spirit that's what i see in this team everybody's playing for each other right it's not that i am gabriel jesus i am going to score goals and as long as i have scored enough goals that's enough i am bukayo saka i have made so many assists that that's enough for me no saka is back defending jesus is the man making tackles to make the transition from from defense to attack everybody is playing for everybody else and that's what you need in a team like this i remember just a few weeks ago arsenal were trailing 2-0 to bournemouth they came back and won it in the 97th minute with that brilliant goal everybody is is on the same page and whether you're a substitute whether you're a starter whether you are rotated into the team everybody is locked into the idea of what has to be done for the team that is the only way you can explain how someone like Reese Nelson who's hardly played any football like 85 minutes of football all season he's played he comes in the 93rd minute and scores an absolute rocket of a goal right that's not easy to do and for nikola arteta to trust somebody like nelson shows how much work has happened behind the scenes to get players in that attitude because otherwise why would you bring on somebody who's hardly had any football in the season right why would you trust him with that right that's the thing right. that collective spirit I... and it's amazing and it shows what happens when everybody works towards the same objective where do you see uh, this league going i mean for me a, a in my head right it's a difficult one and i need to wear my manchester united hat to uh, really talk about this because uh if not arsenal then it's yeah. probably man city that would win the league i personally don't think man united were yeah. ever in the title race it's the media that really love to play with it and when they lose a game or they drop points yes. you know just sort of uh, throw mm-hmm. throw dirt at them uh you know it's difficult because arsenal yeah. haven't won a league for 20 years and as manchester united fan it's difficult to see arsenal winning a league prior to man united doing it i hope we are uh, our next league title is 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 mm-hmm. is is very close as well and i really hope that uh, you know we get there but again as man city you don't want man city to win the title either but i don't know many man city fans but i know a lot of arsenal fans so uh and as as is the case you know, you're i'm not saying you're never going to not yeah. hear the end of it but uh you know when you see a fan like that but genuinely for me like arsenal gives hope uh the way they have built this is the way i think 
I'm not saying United are a different club. I think uh i i think you would agree to this that united just globally commercially or historically have been yeah. a bigger club mm-hmm. than the arsenal uh and i think the pressure on united would be different but i think the way arteta is doing it and you've pointed out these things the culture reset the uh change from yeah. top to bottom uh getting the right place like i need to briefly yeah, touch upon this transfers as well ja- january january yeah. signings or just signings this year nobody has got it better than arsenal like jorginho oh. and trossard are just fantastic and it's, signings and it's not just them right i mean because you already mentioned somebody like trossard or jorginho i'll start with that um the last time we signed a player who was over the hill at chelsea it was david luiz or William and we and I I to be honest uh, I I felt it was very obvious that they were just uh, short term signings but some of the horrendous mistakes that David Luiz made like in games really cost us it honestly cost us a, a lot of a lot of points and I was like why did you bring him in um but it's also about uh, bringing in the right players for the right manager because I remember again that that game against Chelsea that Arsenal lost to one it was David Luiz putting in a shift defensively hacking the ball clear he's like no not going you're not going to cross this goal line unfortunately they did but yeah going back to what you said about uh, Trossard and Jorginho for the longest time Arsenal were linked with Mikhailo Mudrik you know this young Ukrainian superstar and i was thinking and i was honestly asking yep. myself is 70 million pounds justified for a player who is not proven on the big stage is it is it worth it okay fine i don't doubt that he's a super talented player he may be one but is he really worth 70 million when he's unproven you know that's my point and even if he comes to the premier league he's going to take some time to settle he's not going to come and 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 blow you away from the very beginning and that's exactly what's happened to chelsea he's not had any impact at all right but the reason they signed some like trossard is because this this guy was a premier league ready be available for a modest price and see talented enough to join the club and it's the same at chelsea you know with all the big signings coming in jorginho knew that his place was going to be in trouble because all these amazing Uh, big money players have come in and obviously you want them to play right so uh, trossard was i think together both of these players were signed for about 50 million uh, 50 million pounds which is still less than the than the price mikhail mudrik was 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 commanding right and they've come in amazingly well i think trossard has got a goal and six assists or something since he's come to the club i was just looking at the stats jorginho was amazing i remember that the recent goal he scored against aston villa then the dying embers of the game that's what you want you want people who are professionals not people who you sign just because they're a big name in the market today today mikhail mudrik may be the talk of the town tomorrow it may be somebody else don't go yeah. chasing the don't don't go chasing yeah. the name chase the player and yeah. that's true of like so many of the players at arsenal uh gabriel martinelli for example yeah. who's coming along in leaps and bounds an amazing player he was signed for 6 million pounds from from a brazilian club yeah. i mean even when gabriel jesus yeah. was injured uh yeah. from the world cup how good has uh, oh, yes, nkt been uh he stepped in he scored goals and he scored some crucial goals and that's that's really a trademark i think if i were to i'm not saying i'm going to sum it up but i think you've touched upon some very good things and i think if we were to answer the question in this podcast of why has arsenal been so good or why are arsenal favorites of the league this i think there's so many things that go in i think uh they've brought in a manager who yep. understands the club let's get it that's that's mm-hmm. been important uh more importantly after that they've backed him they've supported him yeah. through tough times uh 
they've given him the resources in terms of a reset from top to bottom uh they've matched that with allowing him the power to take calls on players that he doesn't feel mm-hmm. are right for the club like like he's done with so many players who who, who he mm-hmm. thought should have left have gone uh and like you said them being the big names doesn't matter what's right for the club is right for the club he's instilled values that winning teams have let alone winning arsenal teams of the past but now you're seeing a lot of stuff and i think there's a bit of man city in there his time at the club you know they say winning breeds yep. winning and i'm sure uh working with a guy like pep and the team that he's got and the club that man city are and the way they've been successful that has had a say uh and it's just great to see uh uh, uh as a rival mm-hmm. fan not so much but it's just great to see uh Ar- Ar- arsenal really playing the football that we've you know sort of uh uh known them of you know the standards mm-hmm. that they have and i really look forward to it because i'm fairly confident in the fact that united might need a year or maybe another season after that that united arsenal rivalry the first time the game at the emirates this season after a long time felt like a oh, big yeah. occasion last minute goal honestly i'm sure the emotions yeah. were very different well, for both for both you and i, I don't know that for a second of but the fact that after so long sort of you have a game with such emotion that's what that was what right. was so amazing to me and it and the whole thing and you need like, that like, in the get here. it came from him right that's yeah. amazing that's exactly amazing exactly and and you need that right i think we've spoken about the top 4 you've spoken top 4 going on to top 6 top 8 as well but i think liverpool and man city have dominated football the last few years i think united arsenal chelsea will be back mm-hmm. next year we know that uh, they've signed a oh, yeah. busload of I players think, this season just to uh, just try that I think this entire second half of the season will be about these players getting used to life in the Premier League. Next season, you're going to Correct. see what players Correct. like Enzo Correct. Fernandez can do, and I think every every Correct. fan Correct. who is discounting Chelsea this season because of poor performances, remember that Enzo Fernandez and Kai Havertz are going to be their midfield attacking fulcrum this season. Can you imagine exactly. what it's going to be like exactly. with Engalo sitting behind them? You're going you're going to have a season and this is where i want to come yeah. to next you know bit like there's talks of united being uh bought uh you yeah. know change of ownership at old trafford uh either way i feel united will invest uh in what ten hag has done this year i think he needs it you touched up on this briefly you said it would have been so difficult for arsenal to manage that thursday sunday yeah. uh you know sort of yeah. a schedule united have done that uh i think exceedingly well so far yes they've had some yeah. freak games but i genuinely feel the anfield game was a freak show uh i think apart from that they've won 19 games of the last 24 drawn 3 yeah. and lost 2 or something that's so their record's good liverpool will invest a lot i think klopp needs that a bit yeah, of a reset i'm not saying a full reset definitely. but he's he's going to need we know man city will never shy away from strengthening yeah. their squad chelsea've already done that Spurs would yeah. look to do that because they've they from where they started they would struggle. Where does that leave Arsenal? I mean, uh, firstly, I think Arsenal are go- going to win the league. How I'll confident are you? I'll answer this question at the that? very end of the podcast. Make sure that's the last question you ask me. Okay, so okay, so I'm going to assume this with the fact that Arsenal, irrespective yeah. of what happens, uh, in my head I'm thinking yeah. they've won the league. Uh, and they're going to set themselves for Champions yeah. League football, and obviously continuing mm-hmm. this success. 
for a few years uh, the way man city have done where they have seen success one brings yeah. two two brings four kind of a thing klopp has done that although klopp might not have won as many trophies yeah. as pep but i think he, he's had 90 plus seasons and i think any other time he would have won more trophies than you know what he has uh three champions league finals he's been to he's won one lost two uh he's lost two premier leagues oh, very very close battles with the last day of the, of the league yeah yeah so what do you think does arsenal need to do next season to uh get into an era of continued success the way we've seen uh the big yeah. teams in uh the premier so league so one of the things it. arsenal have been amazingly good at and this was during the time of even arsenal wenger is to sign um talented players who are relatively unknown on relatively cheap budgets and that was the same even even uh, during arteta's time uh gabriel jesus and uh, alexander zinchenko were both surplus requirements at manchester city right and they were signed for a combined 75 million which is not bad at all in terms of thing so i think that's what they're going to do going forward as well they will continue to look for smart investments somebody like a fabio vieira who may not kick on kick on immediately but he was signed for about 27 28 million and he is somebody you look at for the future so irrespective of how the other clubs perform right arsenal are always going to have this plan of firstly blooding in quality youth players and secondly supplementing that with smart acquisitions they will never go after the big money signings that's never been their way even somebody like when mesut ozil was signed they were signed for 40 million or something and that was considered a huge amount of money for arsenal right you compare that to something like uh, kylian mbappe who was bought by psg for 200 million or you compare that to the amount uh, that was spent on paul pogba at, at at manchester united you know you spoke about the rebuild at liverpool jude bellingham is being quoted at 100 million pounds uh, if somebody wants him who's going to be able to afford that and just because you buy a player for 100 million doesn't mean he's going to get on the pitch and perform straight away so that's been the arsenal way that's exactly. always been their way like when you say the arsenal way this is what it is to to perform in a sustainable manner wenger could have blown budgets if he wanted to in the past but even i was recently looking at his interview which he gave previously the laureus world sports award and he said i had to work on very very limited budgets right and he found players who fit his system within those budgets now there's money to spend at arsenal they're not going to blow it because they've experienced this in the past so like now we have money let's not go to a situation where we don't have money again by spending on the wrong players so and and uh, i was recently reading this interview with edu who's the technical director and vinay venkatesham who is the who is the ceo of arsenal and they were saying our plans for the summer are already set and we and the fans are going to be very excited by it right that i'm very much looking forward to see what arsenal do this summer because i think they're going to sign the right players for the right price that's always and 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 what does the right players at the right price mean to you i mean if you were to name drop yeah. somebody or uh I mean, what what does that look like for you know, like fans yeah, like yours? Yeah, so one of the names being top, uh, dropped at Arsenal is Declan Rice, and uh, I definitely see him as a huge and amazing addition. Let's let's face it, um, he's too good to play at West Ham. I mean, let's let's be honest, and I'm right. sure even the West Ham fans will agree that it's only a matter of time before Declan Rice moves to another club. So I would love to see, for example, a Declan Rice move to Arsenal. He's being quoted at about sixty, seventy mil, which is not bad for a player of his caliber. But Arsenal will probably sign like that one Marquis signing, not in terms of again, not in terms of uh, name, in terms of price. They may sign like one big player for that amount of money, and then players who are available for less than that. For example, like again, the name escapes me. There's this one really uh, promising French under twenty-one 
fullback. He plays, for example, in the Turkish league. Not the best league, but his stats are amazing. Because Arsenal have now, apart from scouting, they also have a data-driven model, which shows you, you know, how how uh, players perform. So it's not necessarily about how the team is performing, but how players are performing. So they're they're in for this player. Uh, there are rumors about them signing players like Marcus Thuram, who's out of contract with with his with his club in the summer. Uh, to have the son of Julian Thuram, who is in his known, known right as an up-and-coming striker, is an amazing uh, coup for Arsenal. Uh, there's talk about them signing the other Frenchman, Randall Colomwani, who is uh, again instrumental to France reaching the World Cup final. You know, so all these all these interesting players. And that's the thing with Arsenal. I cannot name big players because Arsenal don't sign big players. <laughs> but and 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 I think that's the way, right? And I think Arsenal fans will always be happy because as long as Arsenal do yeah. it the Arsenal way, uh, uh, the manager embodies everything that the fans want, uh, you know, him to be. Uh, play a certain brand of football and I think that is so important for the big clubs like at Manchester United you've heard that quite a lot of you know a lot of the times where ex-players have said this as well Uh, ex-manager or y-manager is not really uh, his style of football is not what we want at Manchester United and that's such a big thing at at Arsenal as well and it's 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 something that Arteta brings, and you said a sustainable way. And as long as that sustainable way is followed, uh, Arsenal fans will continue to believe that success on the pitch will be a byproduct of following that method that has been the case. Exactly, for years. there's a saying you know at Arsenal that Arsenal we don't make so we don't buy superstars, we make them. So that that's the that's the motto here. And uh, since you touched upon Manchester United, it's very good that you did because United have bought some rather expensive signings in the past. And let's be fair, they've not all worked out for the club. I think most of them haven't. It's been an uh, absolutely pathetic... Uh, I mean, you can name drop so many people here. Uh, the likes of Pogba, the likes of uh, Romelu Lukaku. Uh, even, I mean, you know, like you can just go on and on and on about players. You have Snyderlin, Depay... Uh, we've had loan signings that have come in that haven't worked. Yeah, in fact, you uh, know, uh, Radamal Falca was came in came in for a year. I think he scored one goal uh, yeah. in, in his season. You know, in United's attempt to find a prolific striker, it's good that they do because they always sign the big names like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and stuff. But that really yeah. worked out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think Ten Hag might change that. I think he might still go after players. I think what Manchester United might still do is Manchester United will spend. They might, I think, spend more than what I think clubs would. But I think they would buy players that I think you hear Ten Hag talking about yeah. the right profile. Exactly. Uh, and I think uh, you might see a bit of a change, not so much to the extent of, you know, Arsenal. But I really like what you say because I think uh as a fan you've highlighted such important things in this past hour when we've spoken you've really said uh you know understood where the problem was at arsenal and why it has taken so long it just hasn't been a case of uh a manager who was uh at his best for years it wasn't a case of him just losing his way it was the move from hybrid to the emirates it was the departure of David Dean and everything that brought at the club. Uh, uh, it was all of the players that left for whatever reason uh, and then being able to manage your books, your uh, uh, you know the financial aspects and yet finding success on the pitch. That has never been uh, easy. And I think 
credit to Wenger for doing a great job. But you've also touched upon what makes Arteta so special. He's come in. He's really taken the reset yeah. his way. He's set his structure. He set the tone. Uh, he's the most talked person at the club. And at big clubs, that is the case. Ferguson was that at United. Wenger Pepe. was that at Arsenal. Pep is that at Man City. Klopp's that at Liverpool. And you see Arteta now really being the person. It's not about the superstars at a club or it's not about... An, Aubameyang or an Ozil. It's about Arteta and you know what he's doing. And it's just great to see that uh, Arsenal being persistent with his style and his decisions is has brought them to a place where uh, I think they're on the brink of a title, which which brings me to the to to yes. the golden question, which I'm not gonna let you avoid. Yeah, no, you can't avoid. There's a game at Anfield yeah. still yet to go. Uh You've got to go to Etihad yeah, to play I'm glad Man you brought City. This up. Yeah, I think there, I think there's a game at yes. Newcastle still, uh, still left, and I think there's a Chelsea game pending at the Emirates. Yeah, so let I'm me just uh, let me just take you through that. You're absolutely right. These are the games left. So on the 9th of April, Arsenal play Liverpool at Anfield. Yes, uh, and then on the 26th of April, and this is the most crucial part. Like if you were to ask me where Arsenal could slip up in the league, there's this three-game uh, sequence, right? On the 26th of April, they play Man City. That's at the Etihad. On the 29th, they welcome Chelsea to the Emirates. And on the 6th of May, they play Newcastle away. So, St. James's Park is not an easy place to go to. Is that three-game sequence that could make or break Arsenal's title? A lot of pundits are saying this, and I have to agree with them, because it's true. It's not just that these three games are there. If they were there isolated, fine. But they're there together. So, you need to have that, that mentality to raise your game for a period of weeks on end and that's not always easy because this is the time of the period of so Alex Ferguson used to call speaky bum time you know, when when, yeah. when you had to be not just physically resilient but mentally very very strong and this is a of young course. team and right. I, 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 uh, since you're asking me this question I wish with all my heart that Arsenal win this title I do but if there were a point where they would drop it it would be during those three games because those are tough games, as well as right. the one against but, Liverpool at Anfield. Anfield is, uh, despite Liverpool's problem this season, Anfield is always a tough place to go. Liverpool is yeah. a tough team to play. Ask, ask a Manchester oh, United yes, fan yes, about yes. how tough Anfield is. But I, and 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 you're right. It's a tough, uh, you know, sort of games uh, that are still left. But I still feel we've not really seen Man City at yeah. their best this year. I believe Man City are going to drop points. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, and I know Man City have done this once when they went from January to the end of the league where they won 14-odd yeah. games on the bounce or something of that sort. But that's not the case this year. I genuinely believe... Uh, uh, I'm not saying Arsenal can afford to drop a lot of points. But even within those games, if Arsenal were to lose a game... Uh, I think you would see that they would still have some mm-hmm. sort of a cushion in terms of those, you know, uh, you know that points tally. But you've you've said what are the t- tough fixtures? You've said you wish with all your heart that they win. But what does your gut tell you? Do you think Arsenal is yes, going to win the they title? They will win the, like, the league this season. Arsenal will win the league this season. Uh, yeah, that's my. That's 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 exactly what I what I really wanted to hear. So, I I think at at that note we're going to conclude uh, the podcast. I think we had a great chat about Arsenal. We've 
gone through the years. Uh, we've discussed so many things about the problems at the club, how Arteta has come in and changed all of that. We've spoken about how great his signings have been, which I think really is a standout for me. And I think maybe coming from a Manchester United fan, where our club has made so many blunders with transfers, I just tip my hat when a club really gets it right in the transfer window and really uh, spend smartly like the way Arsenal have done. And I think it's given a lot of hope to the likes of Chelsea's, to Manchester United's and to the rest of the clubs that or maybe they've set the tone. And I think this is where I want to conclude it, that give managers yeah, some time. Exactly. Uh, giving time is not the worst thing. And I know we are in a result driven business and it's never easy for clubs because there's huge money involved from especially when you're talking about teams that are in the relegation battle in the bottom half of the table like Palace what you mentioned but I think Arsenal are reaping the rewards of trusting Mikhail Arteta his ways the structure that he wanted to bring at the club and uh, if that cup if he's rewarded with a Premier League title at the end of this season I think that will be well deserved to Arteta, to his players, but also to the people at Arsenal who've uh, shown that faith and given him the time. So, Gautam, on that note, it's been an immense pleasure to speak to you on this. I think you are so well uh, uh, educated and you know the ins and outs of, of the club. It's, it's, it's always fantastic to speak to fans like you and, well, this is where the podcast is all about. It's a platform for fans to come on board, express themselves, debate, uh, share their opinions, tell us what's right, tell us what's wrong. Uh, and that's where we are at. Gautam, on that note, any final yeah, comments uh, for you, please? I just wanted to say what we were saying about, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of giving management uh, managers time to do what it is they have to do. I remember when Arteta started his first full season at the club, there was a time when Arsenal were in the relegation zone, only a couple of points above the relegation zone. And Roy Keane was asked, do you think Arsenal will will, will get, uh, you know, what will they get relegated this season? He said, no, but they'll be fighting a relegation battle all season. So that's how low the opinion of, of, of Mikel Arteta was. Uh, but on the other hand, Jose Mourinho, who also yeah. we know as a great manager for both United and Chelsea, you know, uh, Arsenal went to Spurs and lost the game 2-0. And even then he said, I want to say congratulations to Mikel Arteta. Uh, because although they lost the game today, he handled his team very well. You know, so you could see that although the results weren't coming, underneath the surface, things were brewing. And so it, sometimes it takes time, you know, for for uh, for, uh, for results to come to the surface. And that's why I agree with, with what you say. Look at Absolutely. where Arsenal are now. Even if they don't win the league, which I hope they do, they've, yeah. they've shown what's possible if yeah. everything goes the right way on not the strongest budget in the, in, in the league. No way are Arsenal ever going to have the budgets of the state-owned clubs like your Newcastle now uh, or, or Manchester City. Uh, you know, and there's talk of the Glazers finding a partner or selling the club outright to another to another uh, uh, party. Yeah. There's talk about, uh, you know, the, the guys at Liverpool trying to find somebody else to, to share the burden of owning the club. You know, there's all these talks. When it's a state-run club, you'll have money always. But when you have uncertainty at a club, yeah. Arsenal have shown you that although you do have uncertainty in terms of ownership, if you manage things wisely, you can definitely get to the top. It's not about what you have, it's about what you do with of what course. you have. Of course. I think uh, and just to sum that up at the end, I think even as a Manchester United fan, it's hard to dislike the Arsenal story this year because there are so many good things that have come out. Uh, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, 
as Arsenal fan, I'm sure you would hope that one brings two. We spoke about that, that there's a lot more success at the club. Uh, there's a lot more exciting football. Uh, you spoke about the excitement that's building up with the summer transfer window. All of those things happen. Uh, I think it's just been, from my point of view, an absolute pleasure to speak to you on all things Arsenal. And I think people who listen to this will genuinely enjoy your insights yeah. as an Arsenal fan. Uh, and it just gives people the opportunity to come to a podcast like this and speak to us. And I can be very sure of one thing, that, that we're going to hear a lot more from you. Uh, really, a big thank you to you for uh, having this long conversation. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me on the on the podcast. It's been amazing and long may it continue. Uh, I hope this act is an outlet for other fans as well because um, you get some really nice insights and perspectives when you talk to fans for other clubs and understand that deep down we all have the same aspirations for, for our clubs. Thank you, Gautam. Uh, and we will see you around on the next one. See you.